Welcome to the Fast God Stuff Podcast, where we make biblical theology simple, practical, and fun so that we can love God and others more. I'm Conrad, and I am allergic to many types of raw fruit. Keep those apples away! And I'm Jesse, and I own my own jalapeno plants. Hot, hot, hot. We are just two guys trying to follow Jesus, hanging out in the studio with our Bibles and We take just 30 minutes Fast. to chat about a theological topic God. and renew our minds with the good things of Christ. Stop. It's God. Stop. So today, what are we talking about, Conrad? Hmm. Well, today we're going over mistakes Christians make on social media. Two, three, four. Mistakes that Christians make on Hashtag awesome. <laughs> so why are we talking about the mistakes that Christians make in social media? Well, we Christians are hopefully admittedly sinners and are hopefully proactive about becoming more like Christ. But however, sometimes that it doesn't seem like that, especially when it comes to social media. So today we're going over the top mistakes Christians make on social media in order for us to reexamine our purpose and the use of social media as a means to that purpose. So basically, how and why should we use social media? And we have a special guest to help us talk about this topic. I'm Tony, and I have my own <laughs> podcast called The Reformed Brotherhood. All right. Well, welcome to our podcast. Welcome, Tony. We're so glad you're here. So today we're going over mm. top mistakes that Christians make, and Tony's going to join in on this. And the number one mistake that I see Christians making is complaining on social media. So... Let me ask this question. What do Christians complain about on social media? What don't Christians complain about on social media? <laughs> uh, their lives. Taxes. Their families. Politics. Uh, that's politics. the big one. I'm sorry, but if, if anybody talks about politics, I immediately hide them on Facebook. Unfriend. <laughs> you heard it here first. Here's how you get Conrad to immediately hide you on Facebook. So here's an example of why um, complaining is bad. All right, so, let's hear it. Here's an analogy. So let's say I baked you, Jesse, a cake for your birthday. Okay. And then I invited Tony to for the surprise birthday party, too. And he, we were going to yell surprise. And so you walk through the door, and then we yell surprise. 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 Here, and we hand you this awesome Millennium Falcon birthday cake that we baked for you. But as soon as you see it, you're like, oh. There's no Han Solo in here. I like Star Trek. Why is that Star Trek cake? Everybody knows I like Star Trek. What the heck, guys? So this is exactly, this exact same thing is what we do to God when we complain. Because basically, we complain about the very blessings that God has given us. So we take a blessing that we should be thankful to God for, like our car, but when it breaks down, what do we complain about? Your car. Right. Do, do you expect your car to last forever? No, that's true. No, it shouldn't last forever. Right. It's going to break down, right? So basically, in that instance, what are you complaining about? Oh, God, this car isn't good enough. I wanted one that lasted forever. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. A car should not last forever. But at the same time, it's something that God has given us because he's a generous father. So our expectations for these good gifts are completely unrealistic. Like we go... Well, God, this job isn't good enough. I want one that makes more money. Or, God, this house isn't good enough. I want one with granite countertops or more space. Oh, God, this body isn't good enough. I want one that's indestructible. Right. So here's probably the biggest example that always gets under my skin. And I don't want it to feel like I'm kind of venting, but 
I kind of am. It's Let like it you're out. complaining on social media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trying to edify people. I'm trying to make sure that they don't make these mistakes. So, so every once in a while, you'll get a Christian stay-at-home mom who stops what she's doing and then goes to her computer and then gets on Facebook and then complains, I'm so busy with my kids that I can't get any me time. So what is the gift? What is the blessing that she's actually complaining about? Their kids? Right. The only reason why she's so busy and doesn't have me time is because she's been blessed with kids in the first place. True. So what is she telling God? God, these kids aren't good enough. I wanted ones where I didn't have to devote this much time to them, but but that's not it. It's also, God, you blessed me with one, a husband, and two, blessed him with a job, and then three, blessed us with the financial stability so that I can choose to spend time raising my kids. But God, that's not good enough. Now, that's just one of the more obvious examples, but I do the same thing, just not on social media, when I get annoyed at the dog for pooping in the house or when I have to write a check for real estate taxes. Right. So it sounds like what you're saying is the problem is with our thinking and we've taken all these blessings that God has given us, which should lead us to praise him and Mm -hmm. to honor him. And instead, we've made them the basis for our complaining. Right. And it gets worse because our complaining is based in a greater gift. Not only is it a slap in the face to God, but it's also a slap in the face to people who don't even have that gift to begin with. Like, imagine how a starving family would feel if you went on social media and then you complained about your food at some fancy restaurant. Exactly. Or imagine if you were a couple whose childhood died and then somebody else gets on social media and they complain about their kid's soccer schedule. Right. Or imagine if you were a single mom and then some other mom went on social media and complained about their husband going away on a long business trip. So let's look at a couple Bible verses to ground some of what we're talking about. So 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. James 1.2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Matthew 6.25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And Romans 8.28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. So if you get a gift, or even if that gift is taken, It's all good for Christians because all things work together for your good, and that good is to make you more like Christ. But when we complain, this biggest blessing to make us more like Christ, we're saying to God, this process doesn't live up to our expectations. We want to be Christ-like without any of the spiritual exercise. Like, we want to be in shape without having to actually work out. Exactly. So our complaints are when God doesn't live up to our expectations. And you're broadcasting it all over the internet and putting it out there for people to see. Right. Tony and Jesse, when was the last time you went on the internet and posted a sin that you had? Like, you know what? I just yelled at my wife because she got us lost. (laughs) Hashtag annoying wife. (laughs) I did that on the way over here. Hashtag sin time. (laughs) Could you imagine doing that? Right. It's ridiculous, but that's exactly what's happening here. And we're doing it unwittingly because we don't think oftentimes that complaining is just as serious a sin as something else that we would never, ever put on Twitter or Facebook. The thing is, we complain so much that we don't think it's that big of a deal. But God hears every word we speak. And since God is in control of the universe, our complaints are words which we indirectly or sometimes directly are saying to God. Right on. So really in our pride, we think that God isn't doing something properly. And then we manufacture a complaint telling God how he messed up. Now listen to this verse on how every single word matters. Matthew 12, 36 says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Exactly. And here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Why do Christians post complaints on social media? 
So, well, newsflash, life is hard, but it's not a sin to understand that life is hard. But what happens is that Christians feel like they need to let everyone else know that their life is hard in order to get sympathy. But wait, we're already missing something. If life is hard, where should we turn to first? We should go to the scriptures, right? Yeah, we should go before God. We're venting in the wrong way, using the wrong channel. Right. And not only that, if you complain about difficulties in public, you are publicly telling everyone that God isn't good enough to solve your problems. You are telling non-Christians that Christ does not hold the answers to life. And instead of fulfilling our purpose of loving God, we tell everyone how disappointed we are in how God handles things. Right. So how should we post about difficult situations on the internet? So first we must understand that there is a difference between sharing difficulties and complaining. Right. So before we post, we have to make sure that we've gone to the actual source of help, which is God, through scripture and prayer. And then in the case where we need help finding verses and getting others to pray for us, we, and we, we still don't have to turn to the public internet, but seek out people that we know to give us scripture and pray for you. Again, what, ultimately what we're looking for is finding God's truth. And in the case that we're still struggling, then we might think about making it public, but only to seek out scripture, prayer, and wisdom. But make sure that you, in your post, you don't have a spirit of complaining and you have to focus on the blessing. And then in humility, you can admit that you are struggling with something and ask for prayer. So here, here, here's an example. Um, let's say your car breaks down and then you can post something like, I'm so thankful for my car, which recently had a transmission problem. Does anyone know of a good mechanic? Notice is a spirit of thankfulness and there is no complaint in there. And how about this one? I am thankful for my mom and the oncology doctors that the Lord has provided. We'd appreciate your prayers to help us through her battle with cancer and also for wisdom for us and her doctors. Because there's still a way to genuinely state your circumstances, even if they're particularly traumatic, as in an example, and still infuse that post with the hope of the gospel to Mm -hmm. pair those things together. And that's what we see in the Psalms, right? David cries out to the Lord, but there's always this underlying theme of thankfulness and and faith in God's promise. David would rock Twitter. So Conrad, what is the application in all of this? So the application is you have to ask yourself this question. How do I find real answers in my difficult situation? So you have to ask yourselves these questions. One, am I making God the source of my help by first turning to scripture and prayer? And then if you've done that, then two, have I privately turned to friends and family to help me find scripture and to support me with prayer and give me godly advice? And then three, then you have to ask yourself, should I even make this public? And then if you say yes, then you have to ask, how can I show thankfulness to God while still trying to find help with scripture, prayer, and wisdom? And if you can get through all that, before you hit post, ask yourself these two questions. Does this post have a spirit of thankfulness, and also, too, is my faith in God shown. I love it. So here's a 15-second Fast God Stuff summary. Christians are increasingly turning to social media when they should be turning to Scripture. But if you turn to social media to share difficulties to receive Scripture, prayer, and wisdom, it is important to have a spirit of thankfulness and of faith because our use of social media is simply one more way to fulfill our purpose, which is to... Love God and others more. So, Tony, what are some mistakes that you think Christians make on social media? I see Christians passing along fake news 
all the time. Oh, the fake news. Fake news is the worst. So I've seen this so much where Christians, sometimes with the best intent, they find an article that they think is just awesome and they pass it along and it turned out to be a complete lie. Happens all the time. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's the worst. And sometimes it's totally harmless or it's totally uh, innocent. They see a quote from like Martin Luther that they really love. And they pass along and then it turns out that Martin Luther never said anything that and Martin Luther probably would say something really nasty about you if he heard that you said he said that. Right. So what's the problem with this, guys? Well, to me, I think there's two things. The first one, I think you're just showing a lack of wisdom by not verifying it. But I think there's another one that's bigger and that one is actually pride. And I think the most obvious example of this is when people end up posting medical links because there's a bunch of people who don't work in the health or medical field, and then they see a few biased websites or videos, and then they immediately believe it because, again, they don't have the expertise that comes from working in that actual field. So then in an act of pride, they actually end up feeling like an expert. So they actually start posting medical advice on social media as if they had the expertise of an actual medical doctor. Yeah, and then someone might take that medical advice and do something that's harmful for their body because they were basing it on um, a report that a friend that they trusted passed along. And as Christians, we should be people that are most concerned about the truth all the time. And that's not just not lying. It's also being very particular with the things that you put online to make sure they're actually true. Right, so the scriptures say that Christians are to be people of truth, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said that when Satan speaks, he lies and that's his native tongue. So we should be doing the entirely opposite of that, right? That's one of the 10 commandments, right? In the summary of the law, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor is one of the big 10. So we really should be focusing on verifying our sources, making sure that what we're passing along is true and making sure that the true things that we're passing along are also edifying, right? Because it's not enough just to pass along a true fact but it should be passed along for the edification of your brothers and sisters, right? Yeah. Even just the fact that we have the combination of words, true facts now is crazy, (laughs) but that just shows there is so much floating around in the internet that basically is there because people just repost that junk that we have to say, well, it's not just a fact. It's actually a true and reliable fact. Right. And this, this goes the same for when you post a link to a spiritual article Because we can post a link to fake news by linking to a Christian article with bad theology. Right. So while the source should be the Bible, the problem is the author's interpretation of the Bible can be wrong, and which is often the case. And just like how you need a doctor to determine if medical advice, a medical advice article is valid before sharing it, we also have to be experts in theology to determine if a spiritual article is theologically accurate enough before sharing it. Right. And of all of the things that we should be truthful about, it should be God and who God is, how he operates and what he's done for us. Right on. So why is passing along an article or a link that you don't know if it's true or not? Why is that breaking a commandment? Well, other than the things that we've already talked about, how you might like concretely hurt someone by passing on false information, um, people are constantly watching us on the internet. So the people we interact with shouldn't be just Christians. And when we pass on information that's not true, then we're taking the name of Christ and we're attaching it to a lie. And really that hurts your testimony, but it brings dishonor on the name of Christ, right? So in the 10 commandments, all the 10 commandments are connected to each other. And when you bear false witness against your neighbor, you're also taking the name of the Lord in vain because you bear his name 
and now you've attached it to, to something false. So what is the application in all this? So I would say there's three steps that every Christian should take before they post a link. The first thing they should think about is, do I even need to post this link? There we go. Because with as much fake news and as much false testimony that is out there, we can never be 100% sure, even if we do our research, that what we're presenting is actually true. The second thing that Christians should do is they should be careful who they're sharing the information with. So sometimes you can post a joke um, that is posted to the wrong group and they may not know it's a a joke. And finally, if you decide that it's time to share something and it's time to share it with this audience, you need to make sure you're doing at least some research to verify that it's true. So that could be as simple as looking it up on Google and seeing if other people are saying it's true. Looking at other articles on the website to see if they seem like they're a joke or if they seem like they're reliable. Um, Or doing a little bit of research. If I find a quote I like by Charles Spurgeon, maybe I take some time and try to actually track down where that quote came from instead of just passing it along without recognizing that it may not be a true quote. This is the Christian life, right? It's getting the small things right yeah, and being sincere about being truthful in all areas. And since online is increasingly a large part of our lives, this is a thing we should take seriously if we're going to be people of the truth. So here's a 15 second Fast God Stuff summary. When Christians pass along fake news, fake quotes, or other lies, They're breaking the ninth commandment and bringing disdain on Christ's name. Instead, we should value truth enough to make sure that the information we pass along is both true and edifying to all who hear it. And that ain't no fake news. That's the truth. We own you, internet. (laughs) So, Jesse, what is one of the mistakes you see Christians making on social media? All right. Check this out, guys. Here's a mistake I see Christians make all the time, and that is on social media, they'll tend to respond to each and every debate or controversy that takes place on the internet. And here's the thing we have to ask when we're talking about this is what does the scripture teach us about how a Christian is to respond to news about notorious individuals or societal injustices or scandals or sin? And the thing is, I think the scripture is far more multivariated than we most often realize about this topic. And sometimes the best thing that we can do, actually oftentimes the best thing that we can do is just be silent. Don't respond to it. I'm not saying that there isn't appropriate time sometimes to come forward, but you have to be measured in how you do that. So you just want people to shut up. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Hashtag shut your mouth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just shut your yapper. Because here's the thing, the Lord never commands us to speak out on every issue at every opportunity. Mm -hmm. That's nowhere in the Bible. So that automatically tells me that we have to be really discerning. We have to to show some wisdom. So when we don't have all the facts or when someone is better equipped or when someone has already spoken out on the issue, we may not need to say anything at all. Right. And even if they're wrong about something, what is the point in correcting them? Like, what is the larger picture here? The larger picture is asking, why am I on social media in the first place? Is it to inflate my ego, to show how right I am? Or am I here to carry out my God-given purpose, which is loving God and others? So oftentimes it would be disobedient of me to correct someone of a fact if I am sacrificing my long-term ability to love them more. Exactly. So that's why the wisest course of action sometimes may be not to speak on a certain issue or even feel compelled to critique somebody else's response to a particular issue. And one of the things I love is that even Jesus in his ministry refused to answer those who were only wishing to contend, but not to be taught. Mm -hmm. So in Matthew 21, when the Pharisees come up to him and say like, where do you get your authority from? 
Jesus answers by saying, let me ask you a question first. And then if you answer mine, I will answer yours. And he says, John's baptism, was that from man or was that from God? And they basically get around to huddle up in a circle and they say, we're not going to answer this question because it's too loaded. So they just say to him, I don't know. And Jesus says, doesn't say like, well, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question anyway. He just says, I'm not going to tell you either. <laughs> I love that. Like, that's the son of God. I love that. So it's also why Proverbs in chapter 26 says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Or even better, Proverbs 9, 7, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. It's like Solomon wrote that for the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that, that's like straight up good advice for the internet. Know who you're talking to because anybody, any one of us can get into a debate. I could get into a debate about the best type of cheese on the internet. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a dumb debate, my blood pressure will elevate. I'll get sweaty. I'll get emotionally involved waiting for the person to respond back to me so I can tell them that, that Swiss is the best cheese ever. Sharp cheddar. Yeah. See, you really want to do this right now? Let's do it. Yeah. So... <laughs> Anybody can form a debate. And what's going to happen is you're likely going to end up saying something that you regret, or it's going to encouraging, encourage you to harbor ill feelings toward others. It's just a problem. Yeah. And I mean, I'm the chief of sinners on this, right? I've been having a three-day argument with an Armenian guy <laughs> on Twitter uh, that I just cannot get to like get away from. But you have to ask yourself too is not only why am I having this discussion with this person, but is this discussion edifying? Can right. it be edifying, right? Ephesians 4.29 says, not to let any corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what's profitable to those who hear it, and that you may speak with grace. So we have to always look at what we're saying, but not only what we're saying, but what's the purpose of what we're saying? And is it actually beneficial to anyone involved in the conversation? Yeah. And another thing is when we're debating on the internet, we're also assuming that the other person also wants to debate, but no, no it's, it's the internet. People are there to give their opinion and to receive confirmation of their opinion. True. That's why you have half the people only watching CNN and the other half only watching Fox News. People just want to hear their beliefs repeated back to them. That's what we call the echo chamber. And then when we're trying to debate, our mortal enemy pride comes back into play. And in our self-righteousness, we think that we can somehow win them over like with our voice, with our passion, our logic, our heart that we will help them overcome their sin and blindness. Yeah. And sometimes we kind of circumvent what the Holy Spirit wants to do by thinking that somehow we're going to be the ones that do his job for him. Right. Because the sort of social media correcting that I usually see appears more like an attempt to embarrass or silence somebody Mm -hmm. rather than to actually, in a Christian sense, restore lovingly a brother or sister or to confront an unbeliever in a way that's gracious. So have you ever heard that phrase, if you're not kind online, you're just not kind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really true mm-hmm. because there's all these barriers of anonymity and other stuff that protect you online. So it's almost like if you can't be a Christian at your desk chair, like in your underwear online, commenting on threads or on Twitter, and you're not kind and loving there, you're probably just not that kind and loving. And that's the bottom line. Right. And again, this brings us right back to our purpose in life, which is to love God and others. And we sh- so we should only be posting if we can show love to God and others. And if we can display the fruit of the spirit in our posts right. and asking ourselves, why are we on the internet in the first place? And that's why sometimes, and I think often silence is just the wisest course of action with regard to trending social media debates. Hashtag shut it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Jesse, what is your application? So here's the first thing that I've been actually really trying to practice and apply. 
and that is pray for others in the thread. That's really good. And do that first before you're tempted to just respond, because most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we're far more apt to confront someone than to pray for someone. Mm -hmm. And the more we go to the throne of grace for believers and unbelievers, the more there's actually hope for change. And when you pray for somebody that drastically changes how you actually feel about that person, and it's going to imbue some sense of loving kindness into that exchange that was not there before. Right. And you're also not shouldering all the responsibility on yourself because it's, yeah, not, it's not necessarily about changing their minds. It's about changing their heart. And we need the Holy Spirit to change their heart. Right. We don't need the internet. Like that's one thing the internet is super good at not doing, changing people's hearts. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. It changes right. them, just not the way it should. Yeah, that's true. In many ways, like the internet has a penchant, like you said, for echo chamber that also just feeds into our own kind of sinful selfishness. I want my own ideas. I want somebody to love on me, to have pity for me. So the internet is a notoriously bad way to try to convince somebody's hearts to make a life change. Another way to apply this is to consider whether your voice is necessary, valuable, and helpful in this particular debate. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a good, loving conversation with people who know and respect and love you, then it might be appropriate for you to step in and to speak up. But if not, which is most occasions, mm -hmm. it's okay just to be silent. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And sometimes, you know, you have to remember that you're probably not the most qualified person out there to speak on a topic. Sometimes you might be. Right. Um, and sometimes you aren't. And sometimes it's a, a matter of like pride that you feel like you're the one that is the expert to contribute the answer. And it's an act of humility to say, nope, somebody else is better equipped or somebody else will come along that can take care of this. And to just step back and pray for the people involved and to prayerfully consider whether or not you should be involved in the first place or not. So the last thing that we should be doing when we're posting, when we're, we're trying to decide whether to enter into some kind of debate, especially if it's like heated, is to ask, literally ask ourselves, where is the fruit of the spirit in this post? Where is the hope of the gospel? If it's not dripping somewhere with love, peace, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, or especially self-control, if those things are absent, then it's very likely that you're doing a disservice to Christ and your witness for him. Right. So check this out. Here is the 15 second Fast God Stuff Summary. If we are going to be serious about loving God and others on social media, then we need to seek the wisdom that is from above, that is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, which often means being silent. Not responding to every issue on social media means we avoid the sinful mistake of speaking hastily without love. So to wrap up, Tony, how and why should a Christian use social media? So social media, like any other tool, can be used um, for God's kingdom or to tear down God's kingdom. And so Christians should be using social media as a way to share the gospel with as many people as they can reach and to build up fellow believers in Christ. Excellent. How about you, Dang, that's Jesse? that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> How much more can be said than that? Yeah, it's also a great way for us to build up relationships with each other. The internet brings people close to us, mm -hmm. and we should use those opportunities to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit and to love on one another in ways that Christ has loved on us. Right. So, to wrap up, God has given each one of us a personal ministry, and our personal ministries are built upon loving two-way relationships. Again, our personal ministries are built upon loving two-way relationships. 
And social media can be a tool for building these loving two-way relationships. But we end up losing sight of that when we make social media about ourselves, when we complain, when we share links outside our expertise, or when we debate. Christians should be using social media as just one more channel to be able to fulfill our personal ministries, which is to help others love God, love others. That's it. Well, guys, that's all the mistakes we have time for today. Make sure you subscribe and rate the Fast God Stuff podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to podcast. Fast God Stuff is a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. And please check out fastgodstuff.com for all kinds of content that will help you hashtag shed it. Until next time, love God. Love others. That's that's it. it. Two, three, four. Thanks for listening to Fast God Stuff. Hashtag shut it. Turn to beach and politics. We don't need you on the internet. You're gonna post God, let you down. Keep it to yourself. Jesse will now play a solo. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> Jesse, you need to shut it. I'm about to show you how to shut it, comrade. Give us that good stuff. I read on the internet that I'm the best guitar player ever. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Too fast, get stuck. Love God. Love the Give us five hashtags on iTunes. Shut it, Tony. I said shut it. Shut it, Jesse. Stop.